I think it's very important to speak to the audience and to know where they are and feel their energy prior to. And then I just am a very real speaker. Like, depending on the audience, I have told my truth a lot of times. Welcome to Revelations, the place where we communicate truth to power. I am Cole Johnson, and I am so glad you're able to join us. She's an author. She's a public speaker. She's a public relations coach and the host of two shows, The Just Stevie Show and The Conversation with Stevie. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the founder of Just Stevie, Stevie Aisha Mills. Stevie is her name. And this is her revelation. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. It's okay. I answered to Stevie. I answered to Stevie, Aisha, Aisha, all of them. I know you're talking to me. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> Well, better now, uh, now that I know that uh, I didn't butcher your name completely. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh, I actually like the spelling of your name. It's not the normal spelling. So why the two eyes? My parents are creative. <laughs> My parents are really creative. And I think that just adds a feminine flair. My dad and my mom are huge Stevie Wonder fans. So that's where my name came from. Stevie being his name and Aisha being his daughter's name. And so Stevie Aisha came from that. And my dad always wanted to have a girl and name her Stevie. So here I am. Mm. Well, kudos to your father on both names. I like that. I like Thank that. you. And considering that I, I'm a huge Stevie Wonder fan, I, I can't argue with that either. All right. I'm, I know but. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you are based out of Roanoke. Uh, did you grow up there? I did. My life has been very interesting. It's been a boomerang type of thing. Um, <laughs> it has been. I, I was born in North Carolina in Greensboro, and then I went. I was raised here in Roanoke. Then I went back to Greensboro, my mom and I, when I was in high school, and I completed high school and college and grad school in Greensboro. And then recently I moved back here about two years ago. So, <laughs> so I am from, I always tell people I'm from two places. Well, well, that makes sense. The North Carolina ANT, I was going to ask that question. That totally makes sense. Okay. So I was thinking, okay, where's the North Carolina tie here? Hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I get it. I mean, I'm, I, I might as well say I'm from two places too. I mean, I was born in New Orleans, but I was reared in Houston. Okay. So, so I totally get that. Totally get that. So we talked about your parents uh, naming you such an exotic and wonderful name. Uh, let's go back to your upbringing. So how was Roanoke as a child for you? It was really cool. Roanoke is a great city. I am enjoying my return here, but Roanoke is a great city. I think that... Um, I always reflect back to my first grade teacher. It's funny because I'm still in touch with my first grade teacher and I haven't been in first grade in several years. 
<laughs> and so it's just a cool thing to have roots here to, you know, be connected to the people I went to church with when I was a small child. And then they're able to see, you know, me as an entrepreneur, because that definitely wasn't what I left. I left here in high school. So to come back and to have that opportunity to have a TV show, the Just TV show here as well, that's birthed here. So it's been an incredible thing, I think. But I think the foundational years of being here, being raised in Runup was amazing so that we could just, because my mom's family is here. Um, I was raised by all women, pretty much. My mom's family is, is small, but they have all women. So the incredible thing about that is that I learned very young what women can do and the power of women. And I think that if I would have not been raised here and not been raised in that circumstance, I may not have really become the woman that I am. So you said that uh, it was interesting and you loved growing up in Roanoke to the point where when you left, you returned. (laughs) So so you said you left during high school. Uh, Mm -hmm. Was there another reason, I guess, besides family that you did move to uh, Greensboro? No, um, no, my mom just, it was, I wasn't old enough to make a decision. It was funny because when I did leave here, I just got my first boyfriend, so I wanted to stay. Oh, no. <laughs> I wanted to stay, and my mom was ready for a move, and so I wasn't old enough to do anything about that. But the cool thing is, I would go to Greensboro every summer because my dad's side of the family was there, and my dad lived there, so I was always in and out of Greensboro, so it wasn't like a, a new thing. But it was very much so my mother was ready to go. And she even had gone to college. That's where she had met my dad. My dad has had a band for several years, most of my life. So she met him when he was in, when she was at Bennett College for Women, which is in Greensboro. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how that all came to be. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, you said your father was in a band? Okay. Mm-hmm. My dad has been, his band is called Sweet Dreams Band, and they founded that over 30 years ago. So, um, but he's been playing since he was like 14, and he's been on stage with people like Sting and the Police, Pala Bell, um, you know, all kinds of musicians and countless. Mm-hmm. And he even had, they have a documentary coming out. Miles Davis has one of his ex wives, Betty Davis. My dad used to be in her in the band called Funk House. And so they have a documentary coming out about that. Oh, wow. (laughs) That is interesting. That is interesting. All right. So if you were to pick which of the two quote hometowns, close quote that you have in your heart, which one would you say is, I I guess you could say uh, you identify with more. Um, that's a hard question. I think for me, Greensboro, definitely. And Greensboro, I would say, because I was born there for one, so there would be no me without Greensboro. And then also because a large part of my life had to deal with North Carolina A&T State University. I always say, shouts out to the Aggies, Aggie Pride. That's what it, it just did. When I went to A&T, it felt a lot like home. I knew that I was there for um a reason so it was amazing to be on that campus so i think most of my formative years like 
truly be informative. High school, college, grad school, work, career, starting my business. That all happened in Greensboro. Mm. Yeah. Uh, wonderful area. Wonderful area. I, I've only just gone through once. Uh, so I can't really claim that I know the area as well. Uh, but I've heard good things about it. And it's funny that you mentioned your alma mater times two. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we could talk about that now. So what drew you to North Carolina A&T State? One of the reasons really is that I have an amazing cousin. I don't have any brothers. I was born actually an only child. I'm my mom's only child. My dad has a daughter and two stepdaughters. So I didn't have any brothers and he is very much, even to this day, very like close to me. He's like my big brother. And so he went there and um, I just loved that. I got the opportunity to go on campus and I just really, really enjoyed the school. And um, it was just an amazing experience. I think for me, what a lot of people don't know, that was the only school I ever applied to. And so I definitely was, I had my mind made up that I wanted to be there. <laughs> I didn't try to go to any other school. I just felt the presence of like home on that campus. And even though I lived in Greensboro, I lived on campus all four years that I was in school. Um, it just, even now to this day, like I, I spoke to uh, Aggie, um, that's what we're called, not too long ago. She just, It just was like familiarity. We had so much in common, and it's just a support. It's just, you know, history. We have amazing history. The North Carolina AMT4, who started the civil rights movement, who refused to get up. They were they were not allowed in Woolworths, and they refused to get up. They were freshmen at AMT. So, you know, looking at several people, like, Jesse Jackson and all kinds of people who are Aggies, Terrence J. It just is an amazing history. And I just really appreciated that. Uh, now, for some of you in the audience, uh, you heard her say Aggies. This is not Texas A&M, which is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. I always like to say that. Uh <laughs> Absolutely. I didn't even know what Texas A&M until years ago when I was on. Um, message. It was like what was the LL online? That's how old this is. But it was. Mm -hmm. I had a handle that was Aggie PR Queen, mm -hmm. and I'm. That's when I was introduced to Aggies from Texas because it, we just had that conversation. I met somebody and they were asking. I was like, "What?" I said, "I live in North Carolina," but I was able to be introduced to that. So yeah. <laughs> good, good, good. And you touched on well, your segue mean the. The, the questions I want to ask. I love it. <laughs> so one of the things that, of course, just jumped off at the page with me when I saw that that's where you went to school was the fact that it is an HBCU. For those who don't know that acronym, that is Historically Black College University. So about that aspect, I think you touched on a little bit. But uh, going a little further, uh, how important was it for you to go to a school that was an HBCU? It was, I think, extremely important, but I didn't realize that it was extremely important. I think because I have, my mother and my father have always been, like, very um, kind of pro-black in a way. <laughs> like, right. even when I was small, I did my 
my mother always had me do my reports and stuff on African-American people, so I would know my history. So it didn't really show a difference. Like, I never thought about going to another school, another kind of school. And I think because all of my life I had been the only black girl in classes. So for me to be the only black girl to go to a school where it was, like, predominantly well, black, you know, I had been, I, it was the other extreme. <laughs> because where I, like, the cities that I've, I am from, when you get to a certain, like, I took honors classes and I took, like, I remember being in my Spanish class and by the time I, I was taking Spanish all through high school, all through college. So in the higher level classes, I was the only girl who looked like me. And I think it just became a thing where I just wanted to be around some more people who looked like me and who who were educated. Like these are highly educated people who went to A&T and who still go. And I think that just became important to me. It wasn't, I know for grad school, my mom was like, why don't you explore your other options? And by that time, I was just in love with the school. I was in love with the culture. I think that is a very different thing. A lot of people always talk about HBCUs being substandard or whatever word they want to use. I'm like, no, I got an excellent education. Well, it definitely shows in how you're speaking. You got an excellent education. (laughs) Thank Uh, you. Oh, no problem. And it... Wow, it is it is interesting to me that I had a previous guest who almost said verbatim uh, exactly what you just said. The fact that uh, uh, she went to predominantly white schools and grammar, intermediate and high school, and she wanted to see more of her own culture around her when she went to college. And so she she just chose an HBCU for that. And it's amazing that I'm hearing the same thing from you. And and it's seemingly I'm, I'm understanding that this is the type of story that I'm hearing with those who go to HBCUs. It's like, I want to have more of an infusion of my own culture mm-hmm. because you know, for far too long, I didn't see enough of me around my own uh, circumstance. So I wanted to get to know me in not just the personal sense, but in the communal uh, community sense. And I find it admirable. Yes. Thank you. I think that, and I, when I was in high school, different world came out. And for those of you who don't know who, what different world is, it's definitely a exploration in television of people who went to an HBCU. So for me, that was a big deal too. Like to see the amazingness of all the different people who you could find on the HBCU and where they came from and how they showed up. And I think just having the ties, like I, I can definitely pinpoint the people who I went to college with who are still my friends and the professors who still care, like genuinely care of how you're doing. You know, that's, that's major to me. Mm. <laughs> One of the huge things that happened at, ANC for me was now my book, Cultivate Your It Factor, my first book that I produced, is in a trophy case in the school, in the communications department where I took classes. So it's kind of like a full circle moment that they, it's like an honorary thing. And I think that is so cool to be able to go back on campus and say, this is what it is, you know, that you all have taught me. I was like, wow, okay, I, I get the PR, your your bachelor's degree. I get that because I see I see the stuff all throughout 
all throughout your your entrepreneurial work. It just reads PR. But I was like, human resources? Why that major? Human resources is interesting. My mother, I didn't want to go to grad school to begin with. I wanted to travel the world. And then my mom was like, what budget are you going to do that on? And I was like, I don't know. And so <laughs> she said, either you work or you go to school. And so I went to school. I actually started out as an education major, and I knew that I didn't want to do that. But I was like, that's an easy thing to do. And so I went to do an internship, and it happened to be at Walt Disney World. And I ran into this amazing lady. She, I took classes there, and she taught the HR class. And so I just loved her. She was an African-American lady named Penny Hightower. And so... When I took her class, it just gave me a different perspective. And so there are different parts of HR, just like PR. There are some things that are very much like minutia for, <laughs> in that, in that. Cause, but I love the people part of HR. I love the actual, let's figure out what are you best at. Let's figure out how to utilize that. Let's figure out how to make it something where you can actually love your work and do that. So, yeah. Okay. And you explaining in that, I, I, you're explaining it. I can totally see that because <laughs> I, I had to reconcile. It's like, okay, why didn't she continue on with PR? Since obviously this is what she does, and <laughs> she already has a degree in it. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, interesting. Also, you uh, had an internship in Disney World. Oh, well, explain Orlando to me, or at least in your terms of how it was for you. Uh, how was that internship? I loved. I loved Disney World in retrospect. I've learned a whole lot of about work and companies and branding and all that great stuff. But I hated being there when I was there, and I because I was homesick. It was wow. the first time that I ever been away from home. I was there for nine months. I missed my family. I would call home, and I'm very much family oriented. So I would call home. I was there during Easter, and my family's like, "Yeah, we're eating this amazing <laughs> all." This- dinner and I was like I'm eating a hot pocket and I have to go to work because we work 40 hours a week at one of the um my location was at that time downtown Disney so you know it was it was the first introduction to real life but my mom came home because I would always call my mom like I'm ready to come home I just made it through those nine months but she came down to visit me and I just I have a knack of knowing everybody so everybody's like hey Stevie hey and she was like okay you hate it, but everybody knows you. So, <laughs> but I think that, you know, as an entrepreneur, I'm very thankful for the time that I had at Disney for a lot of reasons. And the main reason is because I got to see innovation up close and personal. I got to see branding up close and personal. I got to see experiential learning. I got to see like how companies are running customer service and all kinds of things that now I utilize in my business. And even when I was still, in the employment field, working at Disney always gets, you know, people want to know about that. And they know that if you have worked there, then you know certain standards. So it has been a helpful thing over the last years in my life. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, if you work during the summer, I could totally see why you definitely would be homesick there because it's <laughs> not cold. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not at all. Oh, my. So, all right. Now that I had my master's curiosity thrown, uh, gotten out the way. <laughs> <laughs> what, 
What made you gravitate toward uh, public relations? Really, the Lord. <laughs> if I could be all the way honest, that was. Do. I was talking to my um, coach about this, and I was like, "It's a God thing that I'm even in PR because I didn't want to do it, and um, I didn't want to do it because of the fact that I I didn't like some of what the industry stood for, and what the industry stands for, a lot of people don't understand it and they feel like you could easily get on television, radio, like it's just endless opportunities and they hire publicists and the publicist doesn't, isn't able to get them on TV or radio because they're not ready, but they don't understand that because they don't understand what PR really is. So I didn't want to be in that whole horror story that a lot of people have about PR. I just have a lot of integrity when it comes to to business and life and so having that in the mix I didn't want to do PR so I was like okay what can I do so that's where the coaching and the educating comes from because I do have you know since 1996 I have all the experience and I was like I understand it but I did not want to I wanted to educate people so that they could understand the right way and they can be ready for different opportunities that are presented and know that they are capable and that they qualify. So that is why I think PR has been something in my life, just because God said to do it. Cause I really, I Stevie wanted to leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this show is called revelations and part of it is Lord driven. So <laughs> I will not shy away from anybody saying that anything is God directed. <laughs> so I think that's great. I think that's great. I totally understand that, one hundred percent. All right. So, uh, all right. If you didn't have this direction given to you, if you were to go to, uh, well, put yourself into the eighteen-year-old shoes, Stevie. If you didn't have PR as a thought, what made you? Would you actually pick? Wow. The first one that I picked, because I changed my major, I guess that's a God thing too. I just realized that when you asked me that, but I changed my major. I thought I was going to be on broadcast news. So I thought I was going to, which is funny because I have a TV show, but on, on camera, I really did think on camera. That was why I went to uh, my first major. And so I ended up doing, I was like, no, I want to work behind the scenes. I want to see what it is. So it's funny how life, ends up because now I'm doing both but yeah that that was my original major to be on camera oh so you wanted to be an anchor or a reporter yeah I think I wanted to be or a, a um, host like I love those shows where you could host like let's see like a talk show host like Oprah yeah I, I can we'll get to your your talk show later uh in seeing that that was one of the thoughts i had i was like oh so she <laughs> wants to get a talk show on okay i get it and hearing you say that uh, you actually want to be more behind the scenes that is rather not funny as in haha but funny as in wow i would not have thought that <laughs> <laughs> i think at 18 though you kind of like i knew that I was going to do something with communications just because who I like my personality. I wanted to do something with communications. I think at 18 ish sex in the city was really big. And I always thought that would be like in New York city doing PR, like Samantha Jones. That was 
that was ah. who I thought. And so the whole thing that was like, this is cool. Let me do this. So being behind the scenes, not, but like being the person who's the go-to, let me have, I'm a publicist for this person or a publicist for that person. Okay. So, all right. Note to self, Stevie wanted to have a cosmopolitan on the left hand and her <laughs> own Mr. Big on the right. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I love Sex and City. I watch it till this day. <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, wow. That that is really interesting. That you actually had designs of wanting to be in front of the camera, but you felt the pull of wanting to actually create the content more so than to be the face of it. And now you're doing both. That is interesting to me. So uh, I guess we can go there now. Uh, what was the motivation to start the Just Stevie show? The Just Stevie show started really, this was kind of like a relaunch of the Just Stevie, the 2018 versions of relaunch. We I did a Just Stevie show back a few years ago when I was still in North Carolina and it's so interesting when you have creative vision. I am very, very God-led, but I am not, I'm not like a Bible beater, <laughs> but I do, ha God has a distinct presence in my life. And so before YouTube and all this amazingness that we have, like live streaming and all this stuff, I was, he told me, God told me like to do this TV show and I always said just Stevie because people always ask me about my name. I'm like, no. It's just Stevie. <laughs> and so that is where that came from. And the producer at the time wanted to do a show and put it on access, local access. And I was like, no, I think we need to put it on the internet. And we had creative differences then because I was, my mind always kind of works far ahead. I'm a visionary. Um, so before people were even doing YouTube like that, that's where it was. And I was like, I should have done what I need to do because I I would have been ahead of the trend, but <laughs> um, in 2018, we have definitely utilized YouTube to do it like that. And I think just, I was asked, I was asked to do it by the producers um, who are producing the show. And it was just something where it just was the right time. It was with the right people with the right vision. Hmm. Uh, well, in your reboot, you got what you wanted. Uh, yeah. it is now on YouTube. So yeah. how was that experience for you? It's great. I think that it's really cool because it's out of Roanoke, which, you know, sometimes everybody who works on a show, I think like the producer, myself, we all have come back to Roanoke surprisingly through this whole life journey that we live. We've gone out. So we have this information. Roanoke, Virginia is a very small town. Um, so we've gone out to live in the quote unquote bigger cities and come back. So we have knowledge of just those things. Cause you know, think people always tell me I am a Southern girl, but I have like a New York attitude and mindset. <laughs> so, um, it is definitely just amazing to be able to have like this vision, this purpose and this mission because even the beginning of the show was like definitely run up sites and different things like that. And I think just being able to showcase other people's work and people that I am just meeting and people who have made an impact in my life in the last year. So I think it's great. 
was an awesome opportunity. That's only one of your entrepreneurial pursuits. <laughs> so what fueled you to be this serial entrepreneur? I tell, I, I, entrepreneurship to me is amazing because I didn't set out to be an entrepreneur at all. I fell into it. <laughs> I was in the corporate America and got really, really ill. And that's because of stress. So I always tell people, like, my life is very indicative of, like, Forrest Gump. You know how he just kept falling to stuff? Um, mm-hmm. It just is. And so when I was on that job, I ended up with shingles. I went from a size 14 to zero and I had to have three colonoscopies within 30 days to within 24 hours because of stress. And so I, I told you I was going, I was headed to New York and it's so funny. Cause I'm like, I don't even like the cold, but I was headed <laughs> to New York and that to do PR. And that was the dream. But then when I got ill, I kind of reevaluated my life and my, um, what, what it was that I needed to do. And so entrepreneurship just came and I never like all of this that I'm doing. I never really pictured myself doing except for maybe, like I said, the PR and the broadcast, but being an author speaking, mm-hmm. it all just came. It just all happened really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you make my job so easy. <laughs> Because that's exactly where I was going to go. It's amazing how you say that you fell into entrepreneurship, yet you have all of these titles. You have written books, you (laughs) do public speaking, and you have created a tour. So I will will piece these out one by one. Uh, Would you consider yourself a writer? Not necessarily an author. You are an author, but would you consider yourself a writer? No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I I know this lady who um her name she goes by Simply Sue. She's amazing. She's out of North Carolina, but she said either you're a writer who speaks or a speaker who writes. I definitely am a speaker who writes. <laughs> I definitely have you know the whole like I speak and I'm able to communicate and even though like PR definitely is founded on writing. Like Mm -hmm. I know how to write, but it's not in my it factor, so to speak. It's not something that I'm passionate about. I know how to do it. Yes. But I don't get excited about doing it. So, uh, so does, uh, so how many books have you written? I do a lot of anthologies. And so I think I'm at this point now, like seven anthologies. I produced two myself. And in on my birthday this year, I'll be coming out with my first solo book. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> okay. So uh, New York best, uh, New York, uh, New York Times bestselling list uh, is in yes. your Don't speak it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. 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 All right. So, what is the process for you to actually get on stage and speak? And what enjoyment do you get out of doing it? One thing that happens, I never really know what I'm going to say till I get there. So when I get there, I mean, it could come like when we are in the conversation, it could come, you know, because I, I try to com- converse with people who are attendees. I really do try to do that because I need to feel them. I need to 
know what it is that I need to speak. And I, it's funny because when I do, I used to do Toastmasters, this is a side note, and they have a portion where you just speak off the cuff, and I always won those contests. <laughs> so that's a gift. Some people have to prepare. I just don't have to, but I not a lot. I, I do some preparation, but I think it's very important to speak to the audience and to know where they are and feel their energy prior to. And then I just am a very real speaker. Like depending on the audience, I have told my truth a lot of times. And I think that because of that, it just makes it, it makes me more relatable as a speaker. And I've learned just a lot over these years to just be honest about who I am and what I am there to do. And that's really to help them by my testimony. And I know that my testimony, whatever's happened in my life, is not mine to keep. So when I go in there, it's whether it's speaking to young girls, whether it's speaking to college age women, whether because whoever it is, I'm going to tell them what I think they need. And at the end of it, I'm just going to be gone. Like it's, it's not from a place of let me sell this product, let me sell this book, let me sell. If they want to buy it, then great. You know, we have things to help you do that but it's um it's definitely not to the place of let me just sail from the stage i need to do some transformational work when i speak i love hearing that so it's not a sales tool for you it's it's all about how can i serve whomever is looking at me in words i speak which that is more powerful than convincing someone that whatever product that you're pushing or service you're pushing is beneficial to them. That is beautiful. I enjoy hearing that. And that's, that's key to hear. That's key for me to hear. I love that. Thank you. I, I think because at the end of the day, I know that I know that like, we're all going to be, God is going to look at me. <laughs> so mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if I, if he has given me something to go through and that's the latest book that we came out with, um, which is an anthology that features 21 other women. It's called, you have no idea the hell I've been through. And so I, I share some transparent stuff in there that most people don't know about me. And it's very transparent and it's very personal. And I just got the freedom and the courage to do that because of the fact that it's like, okay, this is, I didn't go through this for me. Cause if I went through it just for me, then I would not, I would not need to be here. Meaning here in the speaking engagement here on this platform here, whatever it is, I don't need to be there. Cause it's not for, for you all It's for me. If it was just that simple, but what I've gone through is definitely the fact of just growth and development and understanding. And my prayer each time on I'm on anybody's platform that I'm invited to uh, is that somebody will hear whatever I have to say and have transformed their lives, not because of me, but because of who God has allowed me to be in life. Mm. Well, you're bringing it to me. <laughs> this direction is supposed to go. So, it, it's amazing that you're that you're such a conduit for God. I love I love that. Amen. So yes, definitely, Amen. <laughs> uh, so, if you were to have to pick any scripture in the Bible that typifies you the most, which one would it be? Wow, that's an awesome question. Um, 
I think, and I don't know the exact scripture, but to whom much is given, much is required. Okay. Hmm. And then why would you say that? Because God has spared me from a lot of stuff, like even stupid stuff that I've done in life. He's given me another opportunity to first get it right and second to live. Like, it's, it's some crazy stuff. You know, when you're younger, a lot of people don't know what they think they know. And so for me to have gone through that, different things that I've gone through in life, and for me to have been given, like, so much greatness, being able to have a career that I love, being able to be just breathing and having come back from illness, you know, all of that kind of stuff, it is just, it's amazing. It's amazing. So I just really am thankful. (laughs) I'm really thankful. And I know that I have got to, I live my life in a way that I have to serve back and sow back into other people. Yeah. Yeah, and in hearing your story, what really struck me as poignant was when you were saying to me that you were in corporate America, you were climbing a ladder, and you had this course charted out that you were headed to New York being this PR maven, and you were starting to get sick, physically sick. And and here's this entrepreneurial lane that just literally falls into your lap, and just, just just from your sound, you don't sound sick to me. So I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming uh, that you were delivered and healed in that in that realm. I mean, mm-hmm. and it does not it's not lost on me that this, like you said earlier, that <laughs> you weren't trying to be an entrepreneur. It just fell in your lap, and it's amazing that this was a divine falling in lap experience. Yes. Yes. Well, I guess then I'll ask, how important is Jesus in your life? Absolutely important. (laughs) Absolutely important. My grandmother, before she passed, she was an evangelist. And so growing up, um, she used to say that I would be a preacher. And I was like, Lord, I don't know what in the world. So, (laughs) and because I was like, I don't know about this, but I do know that. It is my coach. She's a minister as well. She calls me Evangelist Mills. I'm like, so it's, I don't know what calling I'm going to walk into, whether it's going to be ministry, whether it's not. But I do know that I have chosen to be a vessel for God. And I know that even my book, Cultivating Your It Factor, like I was talking about the fact that that's a Hollywood term. That's not a term that I created. But It Factor to me is living out your God given gifts. So when I found, um, when I found what my God given gift was, then I was able to transform my life. And that would not happen even through though I went through illness on that job because of stress. For one, I wouldn't have been on that job if I knew my it factor, if I knew what God really was doing in my life. But for two, it allowed me to go through something and see what it was for the whole, like why it was. Oh, man, when you can look back and you can look at your journey and you can say, wow, I can see, just judging by the footprints uh, scenario, I was like, wow, this is, this is the part, mm-hmm. part of my life where I could see where this is where in my life, this is only one set of footprints. 
And this is where <laughs> Jesus dropped me down and I see two sets footprints again. It, it, it's, it's, um, it's utterly amazing how we can be carried in those moments where we need to be carried. And when you look back, you, you just ask that question, how on earth did I get to get from that point to this point? And it's like, wow, it is nothing but the blood, <laughs> nothing but. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. And- it's, it's, it's priceless. Like I think that sometimes people don't even realize that we, especially people who are go-getters, like I have been called before, uh, <laughs> a lot of people don't realize that without God, we wouldn't even be breathing. Like, it's, it's that serious. And so I can't help but to give him the glory because I understand what he has done in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm with you on that. Praise God on my end, too. Because, uh, uh, I'm I'm living because of him <laughs> and only because of that. Oh man. So uh, I had to before I end this ask about one more of your entrepreneurial pursuits. And I had to do this after I asked uh the questions that I just did. I get the feeling that it has something to do with some spiritual aspects to it, but you created a tour and it is titled B-E-A-U-T-Y, From Head to Toe. Now, explain to me how that term came to you and what that tour represents for you. Absolutely. It definitely is spiritual. That um, The tour came through when I first left my job. I was trying to figure out what it is that I was going to do. And at that time, I was with Mary Kay the direct sales company. But I always was like, what's the bigger vision here? I always wanted to um, give women who wanted the product some personal development. And it's funny because I didn't stay with Mary Kay very, very long as far as um, being a consultant. But what I did stay with was definitely the passion and the mission and the vision. And so beauty from head to toe stands for beautiful, empowering, appreciated, unique, truth telling yearning to be do and grow more and so that it also has like a teaching cd with it that i created and it was something that i needed for my own self um (laughs) Mm. to do like different and that's how all of this journey has been whatever i needed for myself i created it and it just blessed other women and um beauty from head to toe tour was a multi-city tour that went from Greensboro to Roanoke to Raleigh, North Carolina to Atlanta, Georgia. And it just was, I didn't have any money. And I tell people all the time, I was like, I didn't have any money to produce this tour. I had a dollar in a dream. And I just, I made my own website that looked real crazy because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> but people just believed in, they believed in me and they believed in the God that they saw in me. So people that I didn't know, they create, they became sponsors and sent their money and flew across from different states to Atlanta. And that is, that's what that was. And people all these years later, cause that was in 2011, they're still talking about it. And it just inspired people to do their own tours. Well, now unto him or in your case, her <laughs> who was able to do exceedingly abundantly all that she could ever ask or think according to the power that dwells within her. 
the, the resources that a woman needs to have in order for her to continually understand how important, how powerful she is, is necessary. And the more of us, both men and women, the more of us that can pour into women, the better the whole world will be. And, you know, the fact that you have resources and your whole entrepreneurial path is about empowering women is wonderful. I'm glad that you actually are a service to many women out there. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, no problem. No problem. Now, before I do let you go, I do have to ask about uh, your other show, uh, the conversation with Stevie. So how did that begin? And uh, what is direction for that particular show? The conversation with Stevie is where we talk about the why behind the what of what people do. I'm a big believer in um, testimonies. I definitely am. And I also am a big believer that in business, people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. And so your story is what differentiates you from any other entrepreneur. There are other people who do what I do who speak on the same topics that I speak, but they don't show up like I show up in the world. And so the conversation with Stevie is just a place where we invite people to talk about their why. And um, it has been going on for a few years now. We're now on iHeartRadio, which is another God thing. But <laughs> it's incredible because it started out in the beginning. We started out with, it was like four of us. And then schedules were... Um, what they were and we couldn't continue with all four and then God was like keep doing it so now this year we definitely are we're still at it so we got to go to the guy says don't do it no more <laughs> <laughs> and figure out what happens next but yeah I love I love the conversation I really do because it definitely is a place where we just have a conversation I tell people who come on the show it's unscripted I don't know what we're gonna say but whatever is going to be said, it's going to be fun and God is going to be in it. So. Mm. Oh my gosh. I, I could probably <laughs> go many hours on end. <laughs> talking <laughs> you, but I know you're a busy woman and I don't want to take up more of your time. Uh, so before <laughs> I do let you go, I normally ask these questions of my first time guests. So in your life, what has been, either your biggest regret or your biggest lesson learned. And if you want to answer both, feel free to answer both. Awesome. I, I really don't live life with regrets. They're all lessons. <laughs> They're all lessons. Um, and I think even the good, bad, ugly, and indifferent that has happened in my life, I have learned that it's okay like at the genuinely it's okay all of it's okay and the only person we have to please is ourselves and god i think that when you don't take yourself so seriously then you can do better work because you're not trying to compete and i really believe that the message that god gave me about the it factor like realizing and owning my god-given gifts that helped me to realize i don't have to compete with anybody so just knowing that and understanding that and realizing that, you know, had you not been born when you were born and had I not been born when I was born, then we would not be able to have this conversation today. 
And that is the important thing. So everything is intentional. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And a lesson I always tell people who hop behind the mic, especially those who are barely into doing it. I always say to them two words, be you. If you want to be unique, be yourself. And it will take care of yourself the rest of the way. If you actually be yourself and, and yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, and, it, and it was Jesus that taught me, yeah, you're unique in your own way. I, you know, my father created you to be unique. <laughs> There's gifts that you have that only you have. Now you may have similar gifts to other people, but there's only gifts that you have and people will point that out to you. And if you need help, I'll help, I'll help point it out to you. But yeah, totally, totally, totally. And it's a journey. It's a journey that takes place. Like I didn't just arrive at that. Thought. <laughs> I mm-hmm. didn't, it's a journey that takes place. And I never want to have people, and especially because a lot of people feel like I am cheery and bubbly and all this great stuff, which I am. That's, that's part of God too. But it's, it's like, I've been through the journey. Like there are tears that have been cried. There's like anger that has been built. There's stuff, there are emotions. I just choose to deal with them. I've learned how to deal with them in a way that like, it's okay. If this happens, if it doesn't, if tomorrow guys like go and get a job, if whatever happens, um, then we'll just deal with it. Like it's not, it's just not that serious and there's nothing that can replace living life so enjoy every moment i think joy is it's um is everlasting mm-hmm. and happiness is fleeting you can be happy one moment that's sad and that happiness is an emotion that is fleeting and circumstances make people happy but right. joy is everlasting because like this song i got the joy 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 down in my heart mm-hmm. when you have something down in your heart and it's embedded in you then it's not going to turn when the wind blows it's not going to be circumstantial right 100 percent. it will not be so yes know that on this end i totally get even though that you are bubbly and you're effervescent and sounds like today is a good day for you i <laughs> totally know that a lot of the pillar in which that your your entrepreneurial pursuits were built upon a lot of tears, a lot of anger, a lot of why me <laughs> mm-hmm. absolutely has been all in it. And that, absolutely. that and that has served as part of your foundation, so I totally get it. And I'm so glad that you are above that foundation. Praise Jesus. That's yeah. <laughs> that yeah. is def- especially when you get into a place where your life does not look like like now on the other side, I understand God's work and his plan and why I didn't why I had to go through this PR and it was still in my, my mind to do. And I didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. I understand that on this side, but Mm -hmm. I didn't understand that on the other side, which we, that's a whole different conversation. We have to, (laughs) but (laughs) it's, it's the truth. I think people sometimes hold themselves to the extent of where they think they ought to be or whoever society thinks they ought to be or whatever happens but at the end of the day, you've got to be wherever God has placed you and you've got to be okay with that. And his plans are not our plans. His ways are not our ways. And it's not going to be an easy journey to get to where we need to be, but we have to have it as an obedient journey. Yes. Mm-hmm. No question. No question. Yeah, that, 
that is a broad understanding and I had to do the same. So I totally get you on that. All right. Well, flipping the coin, although you touched on part of the flipping of said coin, (laughs) besides giving your life up to the Lord, because that's the greatest accomplishment any of us could ever have. What has been the greatest accomplishment in your life? Mm. Wow. Um, I don't know if I have a great greatest. Let's see. Greatest. Um, that's hard. I don't know. Cause it's, it's funny because, and I always tell people, I'm like, I hate to sound cocky, (laughs) (laughs) but God has blessed me to have a whole lot of accomplishments. So when you ask that, like 20 different things came to my mind, but I would say, (laughs) I would say, um, I would say simply to cover it all, I would say continuing the journey that God has placed me on. I think that is a huge accomplishment because I didn't always want to do it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I didn't always do it happily. And when you do, or joyfully, when you do something with what he has given you and you continue, no matter how hard you kick and scream, no matter what happens, no matter who loses, um, out who no matter who leaves your life because I've had a whole lot of unfriending going on because mm. people sometimes people have insecurities because of whoever you are and the the amazing thing for anybody who is going through any type of unfriending or backbiting my coach told me if you want to stop that from happening then just stop being great and that changed my life mm. but <laughs> shout out to Dr. Marilyn Porter but um. Yeah, I think just continuing this journey and just continuing on the path, no matter what, no matter if I get upset, no matter if I'm like, I want to quit today, no matter, because if I quit, I'll be quitting my life. And that's just how ingrained his purpose is in my life. So no, every day is not this great and Kool-Aid smile day. But at the end of the day, I know that I have to get up and do it again to impact more people and really realizing that God has given me a custom design and sign audience. So it might not be billions. It, it may be billions. We don't know. The journey is not complete. But whatever it is, being obedient and just implementing what he has told me to do. All right. So this is the time of the show where I normally allow my guests to say whatever it is that is on their heart. Uh, now, with some, I say, if you have a party shot, please do, because I, I know some do. I don't think you do. So <laughs> <laughs> I will not say party shop, but I will say whatever is in your heart, soul, spirit, it could be anything. Doesn't matter. Right now, I cede the floor to you. The floor is yours. Well, thank you. The first thing I want to say is thank you for allowing me to be here tonight. I never take for granted anybody's platform because People don't have to invite you to their platform, anybody who's listening. So <laughs> never take for granted the opportunity. I never take the granted, um, for granted the opportunity to use my voice as a vessel. I thank God for just being here today. Prayerfully, I um, will have impacted somebody. And really what God is, al- is telling me to do is pray. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what he said to do. <laughs> But Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you for this awesome, amazing journey, God. We just thank you for Cole, God. We just thank you that his show is used as an instrument, God, to just do what you have him to do in this 
earth realm, God. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you for just mind, body, and spirit, God. We thank you for clarity, God. We thank you for just hearts to hear, God. We thank you for ears to hear, God. We thank you for just mind and imagination, God. We thank you for just being who you are and why you are and how you are, God. We thank you for just continually showing up and being so just amazing that you place us in the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right thing, God. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you for each and every person who will be hearing this past, present, and future, Lord. We thank you for their amazing just journey that you've given them, God, and the work that you have given them to do and the courage, God, that you continually to imprint into their hearts and their minds. God, we love you. We bless you. We honor you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Yes. Author, speaker, public relations coach, the host of the Just Stevie Show, the host of The Conversation with Stevie, and the tour creator of B-A-U-T-Y from head to toe. Entrepreneur, and most importantly, Christian, Stevie, Aisha Mills. Thank you so much, Stevie, for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For some reason, I have the Journey song, Don't Stop Believing, just blaring in my head throughout the whole conversation I had with Stevie. She just struck a chord with me in being a fighter and an overcomer. And she just kept fighting and kept fighting in life and kept overcoming and kept overcoming. And it has shaped and forged her into the beautiful woman that she has become and that she is still becoming. The fact that she's had these fights that has shaped her and molded her into the powerhouse that she's becoming. It is very hard to ignore. The word says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. The greatness of Stevie is undeniable. The perseverance of this woman is almost unparalleled. We hear Revelations pray that she will have one of the most beautiful stories that she has already told and that she'll continue to tell and she will tell to scores of other people all around the world because her story needs to be heard by so many people in need of an inspiration like her. For changing the world one conversation at a time, I'm Cole Johnson, and this has been Revelations. For more on Revelations, Go to Pippa, spelled P-I-P-P-A, dot I-O. Music by Lakey Inspired.